Welcome to the Truth For Today podcast with your host, Joseph Franta, international minister, speaker, and Bible school instructor. Stay tuned for today's episode. Welcome to Truth For Today. I'm your host, Joseph Franta of Joseph Franta Ministries, and we're um, in a little series here on prophecy in the end times. And I think that it's very notable and very appropriate that we begin with one of the most bedrock verses on prophecy about the stone who represents Jesus Christ, the rock uh, of our salvation. And so Isaiah prophesied of Christ in Isaiah 28, 16, and we're going to look at that again uh, today, Isaiah 28, 16. Therefore, thus says the Lord God, behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a tested stone, a costly cornerstone for the foundation, firmly placed. He who believes will not be disturbed or disappointed or make haste. In other words, when your life is grounded on the rock of Jesus Christ, uh, you're not going to be disturbed by anything because you know that God is at work no matter what you hear or what you see. And this is what the church of the Lord Jesus Christ must be aware of in this hour. Because there's so many things that are uh, being said that are disturbing and things that you see that are disturbing. But you know what? We need to have our hearts anchored on the rock of Jesus Christ. And I'm going to read this one more time. Therefore, thus says the Lord God. Well, if God said it, that settles it. Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone a tested stone or a tried stone, a costly cornerstone, or another translation says a, a precious cornerstone, actually priceless, a costly cornerstone for the foundation, the foundation of our faith, the foundation of our Christian life, firmly placed. It says in the book of Zechariah, Chapter 10, verse 4, that Jesus is a nail in a sure place or a peg in a sure place. Firmly placed, he who believes will not be disturbed or disappointed or make haste. In other words, be anxious or in any way moved. I want to go to the book of Acts now. Uh, I want to go to the day of Pentecost. I think this is worth looking at because a lot of people believe that the day of Pentecost is past and, uh, you know, that the day of miracles is past and all this nonsense. Because Jesus Christ, the firm foundation, is the same yesterday today and forever, Hebrews 13.8. So he's not moving, changing, 
Uh, and either should we be moved or changed or shaken by anything we hear. In Acts chapter 2, verse 1, this is the day of Pentecost. When the day of Pentecost had come, oh, it, in it, King James, I like, it says, when the day of Pentecost had fully come. In other words, this was God's appointed time to pour out his spirit upon all mankind that was alive at that point in, in that day. When the day of Pentecost had come, this was the beginning of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Not the end. This was the beginning. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. So there was unity among the believers. And that's very important. Because if we want God to pour out his spirit in this day, we have to have unity in the church. We have to be of one mind, one heart, one soul, one spirit. In other words, united together, striving together for the faith of the gospel, it talks about in Philippians 1. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all together in one place. So we have got to be a part of the church. We who are believers, and then we've got to be in unity. And suddenly there came from heaven. Suddenly there came from heaven. And I want to read this actually in the, in the King James Version because I, I think it's a little bit clearer in, in the wording in some respects. So let's go there real quick. Acts chapter 2. What a great experience this was for the early church. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a noise or sound from heaven. Now King James uses the word sound. New American Standard uses the word noise. There came a sound, a sound from heaven. This was a sound that no one else, no one there had ever heard before. This was a new sound. This was a, not an earthly sound. This was a heavenly sound. Let me read it again so you understand exactly what is transpiring here. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven. This was not a sound of musical instruments. This was not a sound that men had ever heard before. This was a heavenly sound, a new thing that God was doing in the earth. There came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. So it doesn't exactly say it was a rushing mighty wind, but it was perceived that way or heard that way, a sound from heaven. There was a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. So they were all united, sitting in the upper room, as it tells us in other scriptures. And this sound from heaven comes rushing through this group of united believers. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire. Now, cloven tongues are, uh, each one had a separate manifestation of the fire of God upon them. That's what that means. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter uh, 12 that our God is a consuming fire. That's 
Hebrews 12, 29. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues, separate tongues, like as of fire. And it sat upon each one of them. In other words, the Bible says our God is a consuming fire. So when it's using this terminology, it sat upon each one of them. It just meant that these tongues of fire consumed each one of them. They were just immersed, consumed in the fire of God. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. They're all filled now with the Holy Spirit. They've gone from the natural to the supernatural in a moment, in a visitation from God of His Holy Spirit. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, with the Holy Ghost, and began to speak with other tongues. In other words, they were so filled with the presence of God, with this sound that came from heaven, with God himself filling them and literally sitting upon them, consuming them, that when they're that filled with the power of God, the life of God, this sound from heaven, they're spilling over and they're speaking in other tongues. It was an utterance that they got from the sound from heaven. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues. In other words, this was not uh, a human language either. This was a heavenly language that came from a heavenly sound that came from the manifestation of the fire of God upon their lives. As the Spirit gave them utterance. In other words, they were speaking out of their mouths what God was performing in their lives. It was so powerful that they couldn't contain it, so they had to open their mouths in a heavenly language. And that's what speaking in tongues is all about. It's a heavenly language. And there were dwelling at Jerusalem Jews, devout men, out of every nation under heaven. So God had placed all these people from all these nations there at this particular time for this event to be experienced by all these people from many, many nations. It says every nation under heaven. All the nations where the Jews were dispersed. They were brought together on the day of Pentecost. A certain portion of them from every nation. Now when this was noised abroad, the multitude came together and were confounded because that every man heard them speak in his own language. So they are consumed with this sound from heaven. They, they have the fire of God, the fire of the Holy Spirit consuming them upon them. And they're speaking forth utterances that they've never even heard before. Things coming out of their mouth that they've never even heard before. And the people listening to them, the Spirit of God is upon them too, and the Spirit of God is interpreting what is being spoken by the people that are consumed with the fire of God. 
And they're all hearing them in their own language because the Holy Spirit knows all languages. This is the exact opposite with what happened at the Tower of Babel when God confused all the languages and no one could understand each other. But now God is giving the Holy Spirit to bring unity and they're speaking a heavenly language and people are experiencing the power and the presence of God and the Spirit of God upon the hearers was interpreting the heavenly language that they were hearing in their own tongue or in their own languages. So everyone was getting a revelation of God in a supernatural way through utterances, supernatural utterances of the Holy Spirit. In other words, it wasn't just men speaking or, my, or men teaching. No, it was men under the influence of this sound from heaven that was like a mighty rushing wind and the Holy Spirit consumed them with the fire of God and they're speaking revelations of Jesus Christ. That's why 3,000 people got saved this day because they heard the revelation of Jesus Christ coming forth in their own language. And when this was noised or heard abroad, the multitude came together and were confounded because that every man heard them speak in his own language. This was the supernatural on the natural. In other words, the apostles and the disciples who were in the upper room, they were there for 50 days. Pentecost means 50. They were there for 50 days because Jesus said, don't leave Jerusalem until you're endued with power from on high. So that in obedience, 120 gathered in the upper room with James and John and Peter and all the women that followed Jesus. And they were praying for the promise of the Father that Jesus spoke about in Acts 1. He said, you shall receive the promise of the Father, the promise of the Holy Spirit. So don't leave and go anywhere until you're endued with this power from on high, supernatural utterance and anointing on your life to proclaim the excellencies of God and the glory of God and the redemption and salvation of Jesus Christ. The gospel is a supernatural gospel. Paul talked about it in the book of uh, 2 Timothy as the glorious gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not man's gospel, by the way. Paul said it's, it's not man's gospel. It is the gospel of God. It's the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, men have tried to alter the gospel by taking or removing certain features of it away. Like, okay, you can get saved, but you can't get healed. You can get saved, but you can't get delivered. You can get saved, but you kind of have to stay the way you are. And you can't rise up in the resurrection power of Christ and live a supernatural life. The gospel is a supernatural message sent from God. It's not man's message. Men are appointed to preach it, 
but they need to preach it under the power and influence of the Holy Spirit with signs and wonders and miracles accompanying the preaching of the word. That's what Jesus said in Mark chapter 16. I guess I should go there so you can see it in the word. You know, the word puts everything straight. If you know the word, you'll have answers to critical questions that uh, may perplex you in your life. Afterward, this is Mark 16, 14. Afterward, he appeared unto the eleven as they sat at meat and reproved them for their unbelief and hardness of heart because they believed not them that had seen him after he was risen. And he said unto them, Go, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. And he that believeth not shall be condemned. And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name they shall cast out demons, they shall speak with new tongues, they shall do supernatural acts, and if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. So then after the Lord had spoken unto them, he was received up into heaven, his ascension, and sat on the right hand of God, that's where he is today, and they went forth and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them through the person of the Holy Spirit and confirming the word with signs following. Let's turn to Hebrews chapter 2. It talks about the power of the word of God and what it, the signs that preaching the word performs. If you're preaching a gospel that has no signs, no miracles, no healings, you're not preaching the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. I think we ought to say something about that. And then uh, let's, let's read this in a New American Standard Bible, Hebrews chapter 2. Hebrews chapter 2 about how the gospel performs signs and wonders and miracles. God and his word are one. Hebrews 2, 1, for this reason we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard so that we do not drift away from it. For if the word spoken through angels proved unalterable and every transgression and disobedience received a just reward or penalty, how will we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? After it was at the first spoken through the Lord, Jesus was an evangelist, you know, he did preach the gospel. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy, heavily laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you shall find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. 
How will we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? After it was at the first spoken through the Lord, it was confirmed to us by those who heard. God also testifying with them, both by signs and wonders and by various miracles and by gifts of the Holy Spirit, according to his own will. Now, uh, has God changed? Has the message of the gospel changed? No, not in any way. But men have tried to alter it. Men have tried to change it to suit the way they want it to be presented. But God's word is filled with power. The Bible says in the book of Luke, no word of God is void of power. And Paul said this, you know, it's so important uh, in 2 Corinthians. Let me, let me look, see where this is. I'm just being quickened by the Lord on these things. But uh, Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, for the kingdom of God does not consist in words, but in power. The gospel is not just words but it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes. Let's go back to Romans chapter one. Because if we're, if we're hearing a powerless gospel today, it's not the true gospel of Jesus Christ that he sent his ministers to preach in this hour. People need to see signs and wonders and miracles they need to see the demonstration and manifestation of the Holy Spirit that confirms the word in their hearts so that they can believe. In Romans 1, 16, for I am not ashamed of the gospel, this is the Apostle Paul writing to the Romans, for I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God the dunamis, explosive power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek or Gentile, for in it the righteousness of God is revealed. From faith to faith, as it is written, but the righteous man shall live by faith. He's talking about a powerful gospel, not a powerless gospel. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God. In other words, God's involved with his own gospel. To everyone who believes, Jew or Gentile, the power of God. And so today, we need to understand that the stone that was laid in Zion is the Lord Jesus Christ. And and let's go to Matthew 16 because Jesus is describing himself as his stone to Peter in Matthew 16. And uh, we're going to get revelation as we read this. Matthew 16, verse 13. Now, when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, or Caesarea, he was asking his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? 
And they said, some say John the Baptist and others Elijah, but still others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. So he had a revelation from God, the father of who Jesus, the son really is. And Jesus said to him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you. But my Father who is in heaven. In other words, you could go to a lot of places today and you could, whatever, you know, hear the Word of God taught or hear the Word of God uh, preached, but you're not getting the revelation of the Spirit of God as to what it actually means for your life personally. You think it's some historical message, and you think that, well, when you receive Jesus, that's it. Then you just sit in church in the pew for the rest of your life and pay your tithes. That is not the gospel of Jesus Christ. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Christ, the Messiah the son of the living God. And Jesus said to him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, because flesh and blood, you didn't learn this from man, did not reveal this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. You got a direct revelation from God, Peter. I also say to you that you are Peter. And upon this rock, not referring to Peter, because the word Peter means stone, not rock. And actually it means little stone. I also say to you that you are Peter, and upon this rock, referring to himself, this rock of revelation, the revelation that you just got from my Father, and upon this rock of revelation, I will build my church. And in other words, everybody who is going to be a part of the real church, they have the revelation that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. And upon this rock, I will build my church, and the gates of Hades or hell will not overpower it. Christ is coming to manifest himself in the church before he comes and returns to the earth. There's going to be a great revival in the church among the people of God. They're going to witness the power, the glory and the manifestation of God's Spirit. Let's turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. This is the gospel that Paul preached, and it's really the true gospel. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, Paul is preaching the true gospel of Jesus Christ. And when I came to you, 1 Corinthians 2.1, And when I came to you, brethren, I did not come with superiority of speech or of wisdom, proclaiming to you the testimony of God. For I determined to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling, and my message and my preaching were not in persuasive words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and power that your faith should not rest on the wisdom of men, 
but on the power of God or in the power of God. He's talking about a gospel message that's empowered by the Spirit of God. It doesn't come from man. You can't learn it. No one can teach it to you. You get it by direct revelation of the Spirit of God by reading God's Word and by praying. Uh, let's go, and, and then let's go one more chapter over, 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Verse 10, here's Paul going on with this same message, continued in 1 Corinthians 3.10. According to the grace of God which was given to me as a wise master builder, I laid a foundation, and another is building on it. But each man must be careful how he builds on this foundation of Jesus Christ. For no man can lay a foundation other than the one which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. He's the only foundation that God's laying, the foundation of Jesus Christ. Now, if any man builds on the foundation with gold and silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each man's work will become evident, for the day will show it, because it is to be revealed with fire, and the fire itself, God himself, will test the quality of each man's work, whether they were doing it in the power of God. So now we're in a, in a situation where the church needs power. Not just words. We need resurrection power. Resurrection life operating through the church. We need God's authority operating through the church. We need God's boldness operating through the church in this hour so that we can stand up and be the church that God created us and intended us to be. I appreciate everyone tuning in today. We're going to go into this in great detail about the foundation of Jesus Christ, the firm foundation, the stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. So you have a great day. Thanks for listening. I'll see you next time. And remember, with God, all things are possible. <laughs>